0: There's only one time a year when we say the Pasik of Barach Shem Kavod Malchusa L'Olem Vod out loud by Ma'arev. And that is tonight after we recite Kol Nidre. As we know, this Pasik does not appear anywhere in the Torah. The Medr says that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemaim to accept the Torah, he heard this Pasik uttered by angels in heaven and taught it to Kla Yisrael. And since this was sort of plagiarized from the Malachim, we say it in an undertone all year. However on Yom Kippur, since we want to express the notion that we resemble Malachim, we say it out loud. And the question is, when do we appear more similar to angels? By Maravan on Kal Nidre night, or by Marev on Motsi Yom Kippur? We can make the argument that it is by Marav right after Yom Kippur. When we dive Marva on Matzi Yom Kippur, we just recited Ne'ilah. We have that point fasted for 25 hours. This is the highest level we can attain spiritually all year. This is the apex. That is when we resemble Malachim. That is when we should say Baruch Hashem out loud. The previous night when we entered Yom Kippur, we just finished the Sudam of Sekus. We're still full from our meal. We haven't even begun to feel the effects of the fast yet. That is definitely not a time when we are similar to Malachim. However, Chazal say, That is when we are considered like Malachim. That is when we should say Baruch Shem out loud. It should be just the opposite. So how do we understand that? And the morale says something very profound. When it pertains to spiritual matters, it doesn't matter where you find yourself in currently. All that matters is in which direction you're heading. They say a story about the Telzer Rosh Hashirah, Elie Meir Blach. He was once standing with his students at a train station in Cleveland, and there were two trains parallel to each other. One had a sign that read New York, and the other one said San Francisco. He asked the students, How far apart are these two trains? And they tell him, Rebbe, they're about 10 feet apart. And he says, wrong. They are 3,000 miles apart. Don't look at where they are now. Where are they destined to go? And the point is a very powerful one. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters in which direction you are heading. When Yom Kippur begins, we are heading in the direction of Aliyah. Our minds are occupied and how we will utilize the day of Yom Kippur to cleanse and elevate ourselves. Therefore, even before embarking on our spiritual journey, we are already considered like angels. That is why, even though this is, this is our first feel of Yom Kippur, and we don't even feel the effects of the fast yet, we can already say Baruch Shem out loud. However, by Marav of Kipper, Yom Kippur, our minds are on material matters what foods we will break our fast on, how many emails and messages came in over Yontif. Therefore, as soon as our minds start to wander, we are already heading in the opposite direction. Consequently, we lose our status of angels, and it would be inappropriate to say Barak Shame out loud. And with that in mind, I'd like to share with you an absolutely amazing story. One day in Erev Yontif, a very confident nine-year-old girl walks into an upscale jewelry store in Etz and says, I'm here to buy a bracelet. She approaches the showcases and begins browsing. After a few minutes, she points to a bracelet worth about $3,000. The man behind the counter asks her, You want to buy that bracelet? And she says, Yes. And he said, Wow, you have very good taste. Who do you want to buy it for? For my older sister, she says. Oh, that's so nice. Why do you want to buy it for your older sister? And she says, I don't have a mother or father. My older sister takes care of me and my siblings. So we want to buy her a present to show her our appreciation. She then pulls out of her pocket a bunch of coins that totaled seven shekel and 80 agarat, which is a little less than $2 and plunks it down on the counter. And the owner tells her, wow, that's exactly what the bracelet costs. Please write your sister a card while I wrap up the bracelet for you. And as he wiped away his tears, he handed the little girl the bracelet all wrapped up in a nice pretty bag. A few hours later, the older sister comes running into the store holding that bag and tells the owner, I'm so embarrassed. My sister should not have come in here and taken this bracelet without paying. And the man looks at her and says, what are you talking about? And the girl says, what do you mean? This bracelet costs thousands of dollars. My little sister doesn't even have five dollars to her name. So she obviously didn't pay for it. And the owner tells her, you couldn't be more wrong. She paid me in full. She paid me seven shekel, 80 agarat, and a broken heart. Then he continued, I want to tell you something. I'm a widower. I lost my wife a few years ago. People come into my store every day. They buy expensive pieces of jewelry, but they are wealthy. They can afford it. When your little sister walked in for the first time since my wife died, I once again felt what real love means. I insist that you keep the bracelet. On Yom Kippur, we come to shul and we want to buy something very valuable, something very expensive. We want to buy the most precious thing in the world. We want to buy life. But who can afford to buy the gift of life? Did we really earn another year of life? Have we accumulated enough zechusim? Do we have enough money in our spiritual bank account to pay for life? So on Yom Kippur, we come before Hashem and we begin emptying out our pockets. And we search for zechusim. We try to remember any good deeds we did this year. We find a few mitzvahs here, a few acts of chesed there, but that only adds up to seven shekel and 80 agarat. And based on our performance, the gift of life seems like a tall order. It seems unattainable. Our chances look bleak. So we promise to do better in the upcoming year. We will set away some time to learn Torah. We will pick up the phone and call someone who is lonely. We won't speak ill of others. We will be nicer to our spouse. We promise to do better in the future. The uniqueness of him is that Hashem doesn't judge us where we are. He views the direction we are heading, the kabbalas we are undertaking. He yearns to see where our heart is. He looks for sincerity. And when He sees our sincere gestures towards repentance and commitment, He says, You don't know how long it's been since I've felt such love. You don't know how much I value our relationship." And because you have touched me so deeply, I will give you the gift of life. So even though your deeds adds up to only seven shekel, I will consider your sincerity and devotion as if you paid for another year of life in full. And now we know. Wishing all a gemar chasim, and a good year.